You're listening to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. Tune in each week to learn how we can all make inclusive marketing the industry standard. Welcome and welcome back to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. I have an amazing guest this week and we're kind of swapping roles because last time we spoke, I was on her podcast. Now she's on mine. I don't think I had one back then either. No, I don't think you did. Anywho's, I'm welcoming Teresa to the podcast. Teresa Heath Withering. Did I say it right? Wearing, but it's fine. Don't worry. (laughs) It's always the first thing. It's either my dyslexia and I'm just like, oh no, let me correct myself. But yes, Teresa, let our amazing audience know a little bit about you and what you do. Well, first off, thank you for having me on. I am very excited to have this conversation with you. Uh, I am... I guess, a marketeer. That is what my job has been for a very long time. I did a degree in marketing almost 20 years ago, which is just like, really? Am I really that old? Um, And then from there, I did kind of every marketing role you can imagine. I worked for teeny tiny companies where we had no budget, no team. And I used to do fax campaigns. That's it. You heard it right. Fax. Fax. Like checking... No, 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 as in a fax machine, right? Uh, so if people think email marketing is annoying, could you even imagine? And we, I worked for a car company that basically sold cars mm-hmm. to dealers all over the country. And we would send them a price list out, which basically listed every single car we had available, which was hundreds and the price of them, right? And some details. And so those pages could be anything up to like, 10, 15 pages long. So you'd be sat there in your office and suddenly your fax machine would start shucking out pages after pages after pages after pages. Like, could you even imagine that kind of marketing back in the day? Um, So yeah, so I did that. I did events. I did like the normal brochure stuff, the direct mail, but I've literally done everything. And I worked for a huge company. I worked for Land Rover. I used to do corporate marketing for them. And then, like Mm -hmm. I said, I worked for teeny tiny companies where I had to do everything. And we didn't have graphic designers or copywriters and all that sort of good thing. And then about nine years ago, I joke and said I have an early midlife crisis and decided that as a single parent, a a recently single parent with a four-year-old and a mortgage to pay, I would hand in my notice and my very well-paid marketing job. I was head of marketing for an agency and start my own business, right? Which I had never, ever wanted to do. I was not an entrepreneur type. I had never thought, oh, I know what'll be fun. I was a complete kind of like, I'm, I love being an employee. I love people patting me on the head and telling me I've done a good job. Mm-hmm. But I think with that massive shift in my life, I'd been with my ex-husband for like 12 years. And I think that big shift in my life just made me, I obviously did something and made me look at everything. Mm-hmm. And I left my current role and I started doing marketing for other people. So I started as like a consultancy and then a kind of done for you. And basically I was the marketing manager that people couldn't afford to bring in house. They couldn't afford to have a marketing manager at that level in house. So they would bring me in for like a day or two. And I worked with all these different companies and I thought it was lovely and I loved it. But of course I was a single parent to a four-year-old who just started school and I was running myself ragged. Like I was the one that would run in at the beginning of the day, the last parent in, throw her through the door and run out, like literally elbowing the other parents out the way. And then I'd be the last one to pick her up at the end of the day. And I 
honestly thought, how on earth does anybody get stuff done in these hours? And anyway, we made some changes and she went to a different school and did longer hours and that sort of thing. But also I started to look at what I was doing in my business. And Mm -hmm. although I did enjoy having the agency and I did, and by this point I started to bring on a team and I just found that they wanted me like Mm. all the time. The the agency was built on me. I used to, I started speaking at this point. So when someone started working with me, they wanted me. They didn't want one of the other team. And it went from having like one boss when I was employed to having like 18 bosses. And then what was amazing is I was getting picked up to speak and I was traveling and I was going to the States. And then they were getting really funny with me. Like, you know, well, you never hear anymore. And this is so annoying and da, 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 da. And even just like jokey comments. And I just thought, Mm -hmm. I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, and I started to see this online world and thought, what if I could help more people who are definitely not in a position to get any marketing support? And what if I can do that internationally and from home and through my computer? And I started to watch other people and see what they did. Mm -hmm. And about two years after I started my business I went to my now husband I got remarried and said to him you know how you know we've created this nice agency and we're bringing in good money any chance I can fire my clients and go back to scratch again Mm -hmm. and he luckily had way more faith in me than maybe I did and we did so then I started my online business which was like starting a brand new business all over again because again my email list was not the right email list my Mm -hmm. followers were not the right followers because I had people who wanted me to physically do the work for them whereas what I wanted to do is work with people who didn't have the budget they were starting off on their own or you know they were just them and they didn't necessarily have the budget they just needed some support and do that so I had to basically start the entire thing but from then on till now I have had an online business I help amazing business owners who have gone on to do huge things um or they've managed to build a business that fits around their family and their life and they love it. So yeah, that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. That is a journey. Wow. I know. It felt it. (laughs) I relate so many levels, but in smaller cases, I remember when we started expanding our team in, in social media management agency, I was just like, I don't, there's something I'm not liking about this. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And then it's hard. It's hard. And I wanted an agency. Like, I don't know about you, but when I first started, I dreamed of the days where I would have, because I, I went for Land Rover. We were with the biggest and best agencies in the country, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd been to their offices in London and seen their bean bags and their snooker tables and their slides and all this sort of stuff. And I had got visions of, that's what I'm going to have. I'm going to have the big team. I'm going to have this. And then I started to realise that actually that might be someone else's dream, but actually that's not mine. That I didn't mm-hmm. want all that because I'm such a control freak that I found it so difficult to hand anything off. And and actually I enjoyed the helping them bit. I didn't want to do the done for you bit anymore. Yep. Um, but that bit where you're starting to expand and bring other people in is, is tough. It's really tough. It's so hard, especially when you can see the thing in a certain way. And it sounds like, cause you've done so many roles, you might have a similarity to me where you may not have specialized in the thing, but you can see what's off in it. Mm-hmm. and if they can't I'm like why can't you see this tiny and I just kept going back and forth of okay they're going to learn and adapt but they still need to do it that the way we do it because your face and your name is on it yes it's a different type of pressure yes. but it sounds amazing what you do I've met some of the people you coached at the conference we were at recently yes. and you've honestly changed lives they oh thank you I love praises. it 
Oh, and I love that because I adore what I do. And I think there are lots of people out there who call themselves a coach or, you know, mentors to people or whatever. And there's a lot of frauds out there, if Mm -hmm. I'm honest. And also from a diversity standpoint, there's a lot of white straight males Mm-hmm. who who for me when I first started in this industry I was totally bought into them I was totally bought into they've said I've got to do it this way this is the way I've got to do it and it took me probably a year to two years to go oh hang on a minute their life and them are nothing like me so when they're telling me to get up at 5 a.m and do the magic morning or whatever miracle morning and they Mm -hmm. and I have a what probably would have been more like a seven-year-old by then like yeah no that isn't going to be right for me you know or they just they just couldn't relate and the other thing was they didn't want to they were so straight-minded of like this is the way you do it. This is how you should show up. This is the kind of language you should use. This is the the systems and the processes and the this is how you should be on social media. They didn't even want to start to think about how someone might differ. And not just from a, actually, you know, they were a male and I'm a female or they don't have children and I have children, but literally any nuance of difference, they weren't interested. They weren't there for it. And I think there's another element of, you being a coach having that marketing experience because a lot of things especially with small businesses Mm -hmm. people they get annoyed at me sometimes because 95 percent of the time I'm like marketing is the solution to that problem like almost every problem I see in the world I'm like but it's the way like the way they marketed it is what made it go so wrong or the misunderstanding Mm -hmm. it's like marketing is not answer to everything I'm like yes yes Yes. But the other thing is when you are working with a business owner who is, they are the marketeer, they are the person, they are everything. Not only are you going, your marketing's wrong or you're doing it the wrong way. You are specifically saying you are doing it the wrong Mm. way or you are showing up wrong or you are not. It's a really personal thing. Whereas Mm. in one way, I really enjoyed working with big companies because it was never that personal and therefore it was almost very easy in the sense no, it wasn't very easy it's not easy but but it was like I could say you know that campaign's not working let's try this campaign and also people could be like especially product-based stuff we've got an amazing product this is what's awesome about our products but when you are speaking with someone who they're a graphic designer or they're a you know a social media expert or they're the speaker or whatever you are not only saying what you've chose to do is wrong, but you're also saying you're showing up wrong or you're, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're the thing that they're selling and you've got to give them the confidence to go, do you know what? I'm really flipping good at this thing. Or do you know what? I am happy to show up this way because I know I can follow through on it. So it's so, there's so many, and, and in, a, and in yes. another way, it's so much easier to deal with one person because when I worked with a big company, man, I remember doing a campaign for Land Rover mm-hmm. and it was because we were corporate Land Rover. So we weren't the retail side. And I'd put together this whole thing with one of the agencies about it was a it was a brochure on having a Land Rover as a company car, basically. And we decided to make it out of this really thick, almost indestructible material probably not very eco-friendly this was many many years ago um but really strong material and the headline on it was take your business anywhere i.e you can pretty much take a land rover anywhere because of the fact it's off-road and da 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 
Anyway, this campaign took months to put together, months. And you know what? At the very last moment, the whole thing went to legal. They turned it down. They said, you can't have the headline, take your business anywhere. And the whole thing was based on, you know, we're tough. You can go anywhere with us and all that sort of thing. So, so like I said, there are good and bad bits about both of working with, you know, working with big companies and working with individuals, but it's, it's understanding, I guess, my approach to those things when I do it. Mm-hmm. and the differences between them mm. speaking of small business um I think that leads to my second question but I'll do my first one first what does inclusive marketing mean to you considering you have such a broad marketing experience so it's it's a really good question and do you know what like before you came on my podcast and you were the first person to come on and talk about inclusivity and marketing and and how all that fits together. And I, if you'd asked me then, I'd have been terrified to answer. I'd have been terrified to answer because I wouldn't have wanted to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be out of trying to get it wrong. It would be that genuine, like, I don't want to mess this up. But I think for me, it's about being able to, and even now I'm a little bit nervous saying it. But <laughs> I think it's about being able to identify or see or relate to the marketing. And Sometimes that marketing won't be, I guess, wholly inclusive based on who their customers are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I we might we can debate this point and that's fine, but sometimes that might be okay because it's not if a product or a service or whatever isn't designed for a certain type of person, then then it it doesn't have to show that inclusivity. But if the product or service can be for a type or many types of people, then that marketing has to demonstrate that. And as their potential customer, I have to, whoever I am and whatever my background is, whatever my ethnicity is, sexuality, whatever it might be, I need to be able to look at that and go, oh, I belong here mm-hmm. and I'm represented here. So that's my answer. Hopefully it's okay. <laughs> no, that's the thing about it because marketing in itself is so nuanced in so many mm-hmm. layers inclusive marketing is that as well and yeah. I think you nailed it on the head in terms of you have to feel something but yeah. I am a hundred percent on board with inclusive marketing doesn't mean including everyone there's exclusion no. in there because I think I mentioned it in the conference you're not going to market gluten bread to gluten-free individuals exactly and then I very rudely and couldn't help myself but shouted up because I'm gluten-free and you were like you know they, they don't something like they don't like bread I was like I do like bread I love bread I would love bread but I just can't have it but no you're right like not every product and service is going mm-hmm. to be for them and that's okay but if it is available to a diverse audience you've got to show that because mm-hmm. otherwise and you know we had a fascinating conversation on our table about uh about a conference that's coming up and they've just looked at their lineup and they they don't have any diversity on their lineup and the guy who um the guy who is organizing it is Indian. And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, aren't you in the lineup? And he's like, no, I'm not speaking. So first I was like, well, hang on, there's something wrong there. Cause you, you should be speaking. But anyway, um, so he's like, but I don't care that there isn't diversity. So does that mean it's okay? And I was like, and by the way, we did not come up with a solution for this. It was just a discussion, huh. but it was really fascinating that he was saying, because what he was trying to do as a speaker 
was get the best speakers and it's a it's a particular conference about a particular thing right Mm -hmm. so he wanted to make sure they get the best speakers so then he said to me well should I have someone who's not a very good speaker just because you know they meet a quota or a criteria or whatever and I'm like well no because as, as a as an event organizer your job is to put on a brilliant event and you can't put up terrible speakers just to go look you know so so we had this conversation and then we kind of had the conversation of well why is there no people of color who are speakers on this particular subject is it because they don't see other people of color doing it Mm -hmm. and therefore you know and I actually we talked about the event we were at because he um it was marketed live and they do a dice school which I have said didn't know a huge amount about and and I got educated by Bizpool but he scored as high as you could get on the dice score in terms of you know how inclusive and diverse the the event was but I know he works very hard to find those speakers, mm-hmm. to find speakers that are excellent speakers, as well as maybe being able to give a diverse lineup. So it was almost a case of, I think, and I, like I said, I don't think we came up with an answer, but it's almost a case of you do have to go out there and you will have to work a bit harder yep. to find people because there are going to be people. And I'm not saying just pick the first person you find just to go well done. It is about you do want that caliber of speakers. You do want that quality. However, you're going to have to work a bit harder and search people out. And the more you see people and it was a bit the same for me. And I I assume, you know, you must have a similar story where I live in a larger body. I've done for a very long time. And I used to go to the States to lots of conferences when I first started my business. Mm -hmm. And all the people I saw were mainly white males, straight males or white females who were very slim stunning looking Mm -hmm. like stunning looking women right and I remember thinking I can't I can't be a speaker I can't stand on that stage in the body I'm in and also because of all the many things that are in my own view of the world based on my experience it was people won't take me seriously people won't look at me and think I know what I'm talking about because I can't even control my weight like all these things. And then I went to a conference and stood on the stage was Amy Porterfield when she lived in a larger body, which she doesn't now, which cool, great, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but she lived in a larger body. And I looked at her and thought, I can do that now because I saw an example of it. And do you know what was so funny is her and I, we've now become friends, which is lovely, but I was having a coffee with her years back. And she said to me that someone had said to her, someone needs to see you do this to know that they have permission that it can be done. And I said, and that was me. And that was, I was that. that person. So now I'm the one who's going on stage saying to people, and it doesn't have to be, I don't actually say it's okay if you live in a larger body to speak, but the fact that I'm showing up, you know, so we do need to find and identify these, you know, the, the diversity in that lineup to make sure that people see and go, oh yeah, I know I can do that. There's so many elements to it, but I just want to touch on the way you just phrased that living in a larger body. I haven't heard that before. And I'm I'm going to add it to our terminology dictionary Thank because you. it is such an accurate time phrasing. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it, it clicked in my brain so solid and it's such an accurate way. If you were describing someone to put context to it, like the last yeah. time I saw them, they were yes. living in a larger body. 
Yes. Yeah. It's just and, it's kind of like factual structuring. And it feels for someone who does, it feels nicer to say that. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to like sugarcoat it. I'm not trying to go, you know, oh, it's not nice to say someone's fat or overweight. Because, you know, I have a young daughter who, you know, who's now 13 going on 23. But like when she was little, she would say things and people go, oh, you can't say that. And I'd be like, well, no, you're not wrong. Like I am fatter. Mm -hmm. I am overweight. You're not lying. You're telling the truth. But it's not always nice to say that about people. But like you said, it's, you know, that's the situation I am living in right now. But it doesn't mean that won't change. It doesn't mean that hopefully six months down the line that might be different yeah that's a I had a whole other question but that's so interesting because when we are thinking about describing body in marketing and body representation mm-hmm. there's an element of your the way your body is shaped sometimes can be your identity and sometimes it's not mm-hmm. like for myself I'm six yeah. foot three I will always be tall so mm-hmm. I don't mind someone describing me as tall Mm-hmm. but someone describing me as my hair doesn't make sense yeah. because that's something that will change. Yeah. And it's just so many elements of it where sometimes we attach things to people's identity when it's a changeable thing, if they want it to change. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's, it's, that doesn't feel like a label. Mm-hmm. Whereas saying I'm fat or overweight feels like, there you go, stuck your label on, that's who you are. Like, and like you said, your height is not going to change, hopefully, because that would be something drastic That'd if it did. Really <laughs> you know, but like that is a kind of factor which is always going to be a fact. Whereas someone's body shape and the body in which they live in can change depending on what happens in their world. Mm. Um, and I do think there's a real negative connotation to when people say you're fat or overweight, that the words we naturally imply to those things are awful. Like and they don't feel nice. Whereas actually one thing that I've done myself and, and a lot of my education has been around reasons. And I have reasons why I live in a larger body mm-hmm. and it is nothing to do with calories in calories out. Nothing to do with that. Like I have done, and I could bore you and tell you all the many millions of tests and things I've had done, but for whatever reason, my body still holds on to the weight that it's got, no matter what I do. Mm-hmm. So actually, so many of those connotations are wrong. They are not correct when it comes to me. And that actually has nothing to do with my size. Like, you know, I don't eat an excessive amount like people might imagine. You know, I don't exercise an excessive amount either, but neither do lots of people that mm-hmm. maybe live in a smaller body. Like, you know, and I just think there's so much more like I think. Any work in inclusion and diversity makes me understand the difference in people and makes me have a very much more open-minded, I don't want to use sympathetic, that's not the right word, I can't think of the, it it is an empathy. Yeah, a connection. Yeah, that actually what I see on the surface is nothing compared to what it might be. So then I'm, go on. I was just going to say, I'm curious to know because you mentioned Amy Porterfield, amazing mm-hmm. in the field, does mm-hmm. a lot of things. Um, there's an element of when you're marketing yourself, yeah, you have to look at yourself all the time. All the time, not even kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there's images of me that I'm just like, oh, I really want to retire that one, but it's still coming up. Oh, but you have to look yeah. at yourself all the time. Um, how have you approached, has that impacted your marketing in any way? 
and how you market yourself considering what the stereotypical mm-hmm. look mainly in America the stereotypical if you type in oh it's normally like confidence coach and all this yeah 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 normally yeah. anytime there's a coach and it's a woman the stereotype is that they're doing emotions and men are doing business yeah which is frustrating but yeah how did you approach marketing yourself so again I looked to those experts right mm. so I suddenly then went and got all the photo shoots. Like I literally had a photo shoot every six months and it was perfect and they were highly edited and I wanted to look perfect because that's the way that it was shown. Not only that, how the angles I was shot at, the types of images I had, I was really strict about. So, you know, head and shoulders always, very rarely would I show my full body if I had an amazing photographer in the States, actually, who is a lovely, lovely guy, but he would know what angles to put me in to make my body look smaller, which in one way I don't mind because I don't mm-hmm. want to look, I don't want to look worse than I could look. Like I want to look You want to look your best. Yeah. Yeah. But I know a lot of the photos that I chose or didn't chose were down to how I felt about my body. And then I... And and you know what it did for my business, which was fascinating. Because I wanted such perfection, that's all people saw, and they didn't seem as relatable. Huh. So, and I like nice things, right? So I have a nice camera setup, I have a lovely office. I if I can afford to or get enough points, if I fly, we do it business class. Like I like nice things. That's me and who I am, which is kind of ironic given the upbringing I had. But anyway. Um, So I think what they saw was this very polished, perfect looking, you know, great website, wonderful social media, really nicely designed stuff, because I had all the people in to come and do stuff. Like I had the great podcast editor. I had the great graphic designer. Like I had someone build my website from day one. I never I never went through the stages of me doing all that stuff myself because I looked at those people and went, that's what I need to replicate. And then as time's gone on, mm-hmm. I've realized that actually that has done no favors to my brand because I am very approachable. I'm very human. I laugh at myself a lot. I'm silly. I'm, you know, I am not this perfect person I make out. And when people get to know me, they realize like, I'm just like really nice and normal, but I wasn't showing that. I was showing this, perfect. you know, hands on hip, perfect smile. And don't get me wrong. I've still got photos of them out there. So what I started doing was I started showing up on Instagram stories and showing up. And in fact, I made a whole point of going, I'm no longer using filters because even though I used a very gentle filter, I did use a filter and it smoothed out my eyes and it made my teeth probably whiter than they were. And and one day I went, I'm not doing this anymore. This is my face. This is how I look. This is what you're getting. And then a few weeks back, and it was only a few weeks back, I had to, I'd started to do some stuff. I'd done some embodiment work. I'd worked with another coach and I thought we were going to work about business. And she mm-hmm. went, we're going to work about your body. And I went, I don't want to talk about my body. Like she went, you literally show up from here up you. And I actually said the words, I ignore the rest of that. And she's like, while you're doing that, you are never going to show up as your true self. You can't do that. This was at the beginning of this year. So I did a load of work on embodiment and loving my body. And and that's a big, hard thing to do. Like if you're Mm -hmm. not happy with your body to love it is like, no, are you kidding? So there are many steps before I ever got to actually, I love you body and you're doing a great job for me. So anyway, I'd done all this work and I went out to the Kajabi conference in uh, Austin 
and they had one of these cameras that went all around you, right? Yeah. And I was like, I really want to go because the pictures look cool as hell, especially if you're moving because it's slow-mo as well. But you are literally going to see every inch of my body from every angle. And I have never put a picture up of that before. Like, I'd never shown, even a front angle, I'd always give people briefs like because if you've hired all these people Mm -hmm. and they helped you build the brand they were obviously selecting shots did you give them a brief to say I am a woman living in a larger body don't do this or was it like how did you control that so I guess I had sent them so the photographers I always sent them images that I liked and I'd always gone for Amy's because Amy was very strict about what images went out. Again, never a full body one. Um, another person I looked at the time was Megan Hyatt Miller, um, who's Michael Hyatt's daughter. Mm-hmm. And she, again, lived in a larger body at the time and had very strategic photos. So I think I never really gave them the option. And if they did choose something, I would always be a bit like, oh, not sure I like that. But on occasions, a few would slip out and a few and if it was okay but you know the funny thing I laugh a lot I smile a lot like so I have this loads of images of me literally like like mouth wide open laughing mm-hmm. and I wouldn't let them go out because like I might have a slightly double chin or it was like I can literally see your tonsils type thing but the thing was that picture was portraying so much and then and and like I said it was weird because it all kind of happened at the beginning of this year that I then started working with a social media manager who got me really quickly. And she's, she was with me yesterday, Becky, you know, and she's amazing. And we got to the point where I was like, Becky, I don't need to approve stuff. And I gave her a link stupidly, but bravely to all of my images, right? Mm -hmm. Every photo shoot I've ever had done, every image of me speaking, which again is always a tricky one. And I'm very like, Oh no, that's never seen the light of day, you know? So, and she started putting images up and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, and she's like, I love this one of you. It's brilliant. And I would look at it and think, oh, I would never have chose that in a million years. But I started to let them go and think, well, if you like them, then great. So anyway, I did the Kajabi thing and I said to them, I really want to do this, but I'm really nervous. And I was really honest with this guy. I was like, this would be a massive step for me to see. He's like, listen, you can do it. It never needs to see the day of light. Like you could do it if you hate it. I'll send you, your file gets sent to you. You decide what to do. Mm-hmm. So I said, I've got this idea. What if I do a story, like hold my phone and talk to my phone as the thing's happening. So I did this story saying, there's this machine. I'm having it done at the moment. You may or may not see the outcome of this. Like, and I actually did the story and sent the story out. And then, and what had also happened during all the stuff, it was like the universe kept delivering me stuff. But I had listened to a podcast with Bryony Gordon and she had been interviewed by Rongan Chatterjee, mm-hmm. Dr. Rongan Chatterjee. And he had said, you, she does a lot of body positivity. And he said, you know, how do you get to love your body? How do you get to be so positive and love it and want to show it off? And she said, I don't, but I'm tired of hating on it. Mm. I'm tired of treating it terribly. And I just thought, you know what? it's me if you meet me in real life and I am a speaker so you do see me like that's what I look like so I did and I went and put that up and I got loads of lovely comments which is lovely and that's not the reason I was doing it but so that was like my first step and then the next one was brilliant so Bryony Gordon has written many books and I have got some stuff coming up soon where I'm doing a new podcast on a completely different subject and I really wanted her to be a guest Mm -hmm. but Bryony Gordon is a telegraph 
um, a journalist. She has interviewed Prince Harry. She has a Telegraph podcast. Like this woman is really, really well known. I tried to get hold of her, couldn't quite get through to her. So she put up on her Instagram stories that she was doing her beach, big body confidence beach day out is what she called it. Mm -hmm. And basically she said that she wants women to go to a beach in their swimwear and just be super confident about it. So I thought, oh, this could be my in to get in front of Bryony to have a conversation with her. So I applied. So you had to apply to be picked because they only had limited spaces. So my first thought was, well, I'll apply. Probably won't get it. A few days later, get an email back. Well done, you got space, right? So I was like, okay, that's cool. But, and it said, if you can't make it, you need to let us know by whatever. So I thought mm-hmm. oh, I can drop out at any point, right? So then they did a competition with Curvy Kate, who does plus size swimwear and underwear. And who, by the way, are excellent body advocates in terms of their branding and their design and that sort of stuff. So they did this competition and I thought, oh, I'll just go for it. You know, I need a new somewhere. Well, who doesn't? You know, let's not say no. Mm -hmm. Entered the competition. Got it. I won. Mm -hmm. Right. There was no way on this earth I couldn't go now. So I then have my daughter. So I emailed Bryony saying, I'm so sorry. I'm booked for this thing. I have my daughter, would that be okay? Thinking if she says no, great, that's my way out. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. So me and my daughter drive down to Brighton. I live in Shropshire. It's like five hours, drive down to Brighton to meet Bryony Gordon. And there was like 30 odd other people there to all get into our swimwear. We had a few talks and it was lovely. Get into our swimwear, which again, like I said, I was one of the curvy kit. I think they'd they'd done like three different people had won. Mm-hmm. I'm in this curvy Kate swimwear, which I decided again, must have been out of my mind. She was like, what color do you want? And I had this great one that goes many different ways. And there was a red and a black and always would have gone black, always. And I went, you know what? I've won a swimsuit. So if I don't like Mm -hmm. it, I've not wasted my money. I'll go with the red one. So there I am in this red swimsuit doing this thing with Bryony Gordon. And because I won a swimsuit, my photo of me in a swimsuit, full length, uh-huh. no vetting, angles aren't good. Uh-huh. Goes I'm sweating on, for you. Honestly, right? Goes on the Kirby Kate's social media. And in total, they have 700,000 followers. And there I am in my swimwear. I nearly actually died. So the day of the event... I took a few stories mm-hmm. and obviously I heavily vetted what went on there. And I took a story of me and Bryony and the Curvy Kate ambassador or the woman who works for them. I'd taken a photo of me and my daughter, both he- all headshots. And, you know, I will confidently say I look great head up. Like I was really happy with how I looked. Mm-hmm. And then there was one of me at a distance full length. And I thought I've got to put, if the whole point of me doing this is going, do you know what? We need to be honest about who we are and, and show up as we are and know that we can be accepted for that, then I've got to put a full length one up. So I put this one up that I had chosen that obviously my daughter had taken and it was from a distance. And then Curvy Kate put up all these pictures the next day. And I literally was like, oh my goodness, I, I want to die. I want to go and hide in my bed and not come out. But it was immense and the amount of comments and the amount of conversations and the amount of thank you for doing that and being Mm -hmm. brave. And I loved that you could do that. Even yesterday at the conference, 
three different random people came up to me and were like, that was phenomenal. And I said, in all honesty, it makes me want to be sick. And then my social media manager said to me, I think we should do a proper post because I'd only put it on my story. So 24 hours gone. I think we should do a proper post about this because I'd written an email about it as well. So she said, I want to take what you wrote in the email. I want to put it in a post. Can I do that? And I was like, yeah, fine. Yeah, whatever. Thinking, I don't mind it being on my Instagram. And again, I chose the pictures and I thought she's doing a carousel. So the first carousel was the head, head one of me, mm-hmm. Bryony and, and the Curvy Kate lady. So I thought they'd have to scroll to see the one of me in my swimming costume. And they're like, no one's going to scroll. It'll be fine. No, of course they're not, right? So then she does it. It goes out. And obviously because we schedule stuff ahead, I don't know when it's going out. So my phone starts pinging and I'm like, oh God, this stuff's gone out. And then I go to LinkedIn and there I am. LinkedIn in my swimming costume bodies yeah i love this is so amazing because (laughs) you are shifting a narrative of something that you were very consciously aware of how coaches marketed themselves yeah by force and the universe is making you do it yeah it's shifting the dynamic of a coach who is a woman showing her full body which is a thing that you don't even I didn't even realize. I think I'm prone to it as well. I can't think of yeah. many full body shots. And my thing is just because I don't want people to know that I'm tall. And it's just, it's a whole other conversation. It distracts, yeah. I find. Yes. But this is. Because so- then they get focused on that, don't they? But I think, mm-hmm. and for some reason, that's okay. Right? Some reason, someone would probably be very happy to have a conversation with you about how tall you are, but no one's going to have a conversation with me as to why I live in a larger body, because that would be rude. But why is it not rude that they would question or have a conversation about how tall you are the world's to whack it's crazy do you know what I mean like hey one thing's okay and the other thing's not okay but Mm. I think I think in my world and in Mm -hmm. the online space the the word authenticity and vulnerability are like handed out like flipping getting on an email address like or having a funnel and they're not people are not authentic and they're not vulnerable they might think they are, but they're being, it's a very curated view of vulnerability and authenticity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, when I know we're going slightly off subject here, but someone uh, contacted me, one of my team and like, have you seen so-and-so story? And I was like, no, I don't think I'll follow them. I'm very good at muting things and staying in my own lane, right? Mm-hmm. So she's going to have a look. And she said to me, and I, and the only reason she said it to me is because I'd had this conversation with my team member about my coach saying, vulnerability isn't you getting on Instagram crying. Vulnerability is you going through something and then being very honest about what you went through and how you felt. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she said, she told me to go and look at this account. And I looked and this woman had literally done a story, got her phone and was just crying on camera. Right. And I was like, that isn't vulnerability. That is very staged. Mm-hmm. Like, Look how vulnerable I am. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one who is in the moment of being upset and sad thinks, oh, hang on. Let me just get my phone and go do a story. Like that's not it. So for me, it felt, and the fact that it still makes me feel a little bit sick now, (laughs) like every time I think about it, that there are pictures of me on the internet that I would never have vetted in a million years, but they're there now. And it kind of makes me go, do you know what? And and I know through people telling me there are people who are like, thank you. Thank you for doing that. And also 
thanks for going that you felt sick doing it. And it wasn't, I don't have all the confidence in the world, which people might be surprised because I speak. And I think sometimes when you speak, they think, oh, you, you know, you are really confident. And it's like, yeah, but I'm confident within a very controlled space Mm. and shape and showing up in a certain way. And actually start to move out of that comfort zone and go, no, this is who I am. And this is how I'm showing up actually feels, it just feels really honest. And and it doesn't feel like a strategy, even yeah. though in a way it is. Like it is a strategy, but it isn't, if you know what I mean. I think it is a strategy because that is not the norm. Like I'm, I don't know how to phrase it, but it feels like you're essentially marketing the inclusive version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because that is not what people do, everything is curated, everything's following everything we've done before. And we've learned from history. We shouldn't yeah. keep doing that. No. So it's so amazing to see. Yeah, you're, you're, I don't even know how to phrase it. You've got me stumped for words. You're marketing the inclusive version of yourself, of a brand that you have control of. Yeah. And you're allowing it to be the change that started you getting on stage. You're going full circle at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And I think being honest about that and saying, I'm not doing this because I feel this about me. Like, and I actually, I think the email I wrote in the post, it was like, so if you're not feeling brave, you can borrow mine because it appears I have a lot more than I realized. Like, I obviously have a lot more courage than I thought. Um, but also the other thing it's done, and and interestingly, this story will all make sense in a in a few months' time when some other stuff comes out, but this being vulnerable is allowing me to give myself permission to show up vulnerable in the future. I've got some things that I want to share in the future that quite honestly, I would never have shared previously. But again, it's about going, you know, I have, I've done an episode years back on my anxiety, which again, I was nearly physically sick having a conversation about it to the Mm -hmm. point where my family didn't even know I had anxiety they didn't know that it was still a problem for me they didn't know I was on medication they didn't know I had therapy and now I openly speak about the fact of these things because again someone and and a few people did it yesterday everything looks like it's going great and I'm like yeah Instagram's awesome isn't it like you just don't know so actually no idea I think the more we can be honest about these things but in a you know, I'm being vulnerable, but I'm, and I have this saying of like, I'll show you the scar, not the wound. Mm. Like I'm doing the work on myself and I'm working through the stuff. And then I will go, okay, this is how I've struggled with my mental health, or this is how I've struggled with living in a larger body. But, and this is how I'm working through it. I don't feel the need to do an Instagram story as I'm getting dressed one day when I'm hot and sweaty going, I hate what I'm wearing and I look awful. Mm. Because that isn't vulnerable. That's, that's doing it for something and I would never do that. So I think the, and I guess it kind of comes back to doing the diversity and the inclusivity just to prove a point or just to do a thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's all that, there's a big difference between me showing a full body picture of myself, doing it that way and doing it a way just to go, oh, look, everybody can do it. Yep. And I'm not really confident in doing it, but I'm lying to the world going, just get in your swimwear, everyone, have a wonderful time. Yeah. Like, or there is I've a difference. I've seen women in larger bodies promote and highlight other women and say, oh my gosh, this woman is so brave for doing that. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And 
it's interesting in the personal brand perspective because they're happy to highlight and shout about everyone else but not step into the light mm-hmm. and embrace in a positive way there's a balance because I I think there's an interesting balance in what you're doing about doing the work and then embracing it at the same time not yeah. just exposing yourself because we know what the comments are we yeah. we know how it goes on socials and in marketing you get the feedback whether you want it or not and and we know that when we do something like that so obviously that post was like fire from a social media perspective right mm-hmm. But for every comment I had that was positive, I probably, and luckily I don't get negative comments or I hadn't had any, but I can imagine there's people in my world who know me who don't maybe like me. I'm not their cup of tea and that's fine. Like I don't have to be mm-hmm. that would have had a lot of to say about it would have been like, oh my God, can you believe she did this? Like, I know that, but also I think because I have done so much work, I know that's very little to do with me because I would have done the same. And that's a really hard thing to admit because I don't want to, I don't want to admit I was like that, but I would have done the same. Mm-hmm. And that had nothing to do with how they were showing up. It had to do with me and how I felt about me and what I thought of my larger body. So I looked at other people in a larger body and thought, oh my God, can you believe they're wearing that? Like, and that's awful. But that's just how society yeah. shaped and all of the things going on. I'm curious to know now where you are, if you're sending a brief to a photographer, Mm-hmm. and they let's say the photographer has given you full range is a full 360 shoot for the year so you're going to do winter summer yeah. all of the all of the outfits do you see the images as your inspiration that you'll send being different to what you sent previously yes I do okay. I think and what's interesting is I haven't had a photo shoot flipping ages Right. So the last photo shoot I had, which I did, I changed my hair. So I had very dark hair and I'm going gray, very gray. And it was just getting too much to try and keep up with dark hair. So we started going lighter. So I did need a photo shoot because I physically look different from having almost black hair, which is what I had to, to a lighter hair. So I had one, I think probably over a year ago, maybe 18 months ago in Nashville, which is probably some of the very perfect looking pictures that you'll see now. And I had it by an American photographer. So the comments I've had is you look American, right? Which is kind of funny. But so I do have them, but I haven't had a shoot in ages. Mm. And and I think a lot more of my content is either taken from videos I've done or stories, or I used to do lives a lot. And a lot more of my content is coming from that. And don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong, I have a ton of images of me because I've had so many photo shoots. But I think if I was going to have some more, I would have them much more real. Like the ones I, the first ones I had done in the States were done in San Diego. And Mm -hmm. boy, they were stunning. I don't live in San Diego. I live in Shropshire in the UK where the weather's not that awesome most (laughs) of the time. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's lovely to go, look, I go to San Diego, which I did. I wasn't lying, but it wasn't, it wasn't really true. Like putting photos of me, like on a beach or whatever was not really factually correct. So I think for me, it would be a lot more about actually in the last shoot I had done in the UK, I had them done in my garden in my greenhouse because that's what I love and that's who I am so I think now I'm not afraid to say that because my my thing and I'm really strong about this is my whole brand is called your dream business and Mm -hmm. it's about saying who are you what's important to you how do you want to show up what 
does your dream business look like? Because some people, their dream business looks like making seven figures. Some people, their dream business looks like having a team. Some people do the school run every day. Some Mm. people want to take the summer off. And you know what? Neither is right or wrong because they're personal to you. And what I'm trying to do is empower people to go, I don't care what the experts are saying. I don't care that someone else is, you know, making me like think about what success is because I'm not meeting their standards. Mm -hmm. Actually, this is what success means to me. And I am very happy where I am. So I know that some people think, oh my God, like gardening, how old are you? But I love it. Like, so do you know what? It's ace, you know? And I think what was really interesting yesterday, I still have a ways to go. Like yesterday we had some great talks, you being one of them. And one of them was, the very first one was a really funny talk. And it was a really quirky one in terms of like being chaotic on social media and Mm -hmm. being hilarious and being almost allowing yourself to look a fool, right? And I have always worried about that. I don't want to look a fool. I don't want, and you know, and this probably stems from lots of things, but but I want people to take me serious and know I'm good at what I do. But also, and as you would have known yesterday, Joanne, from our table, it was very loud because we laughed a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But that's me. So actually now I need to show up being a bit more of a fool because that's who I am. And when you get me in real life or when you get me on coaching or in one of my memberships, that's how I show up. I am very authentic. And I always say to them, as they're doing a coaching call, as I'm waiting for people to come in the room, I always like wait a few minutes. And I'm like, mm, what funny story have I got to tell you? And normally I've got something funny to tell them mm-hmm. because I like funny things. So so even now I can still show up more authentic. I can still be more in power of who I am and how I want to be. And, and I think we could all still do that to a degree. I think we are probably... And we've got to stop it. We've got to stop doing that. We've got to stop showing up in a certain way because we need, going right back to what Amy said, mm-hmm. I needed to see her stand on stage to go, that was okay for me to do it. Yeah. And someone and needs everybody to see needs that. Yeah, everybody. You mm-hmm. know, everyone needs to see someone to give them permission to go, oh, there's someone who looks like me, acts like me, or has the same upbringing as me, or had the same, you know, religion as I did and they are doing it so I can do it too Mm. I'm also curious because you mentioned about just being you and the crafted image aspect Mm -hmm. if this time running your own business marketing your own building your own personal brand marketing yourself is also an element of unlearning corporate marketing and corporate restrictions yes a hundred percent so when I was in corporate world there was no talk of me being a wife, me being a mum, me having any outside thing at all. I worked in a very male-dominated industry, a very white male-dominated industry. I worked for the car industry. And these men, as lovely as they were, with big egos, did not want to hear that I was married, did not want to hear that I had a daughter or, you know, children or whatever it was. Mm. So I was taught or I learned that I'm a very different person when I step into work or I should show up as a very different person. And, And I remember actually one of my bosses, like almost being very derogatory because I laughed a lot. Almost to the point of, I can't be very smart. Because, because you laugh. Because I, I laugh and I have fun and I have a personality. Like, 
so it, it almost trained me to go, this is how you show up, this is how you be. And I think it's taken, and like I said, I've been in business now, I've had my business for nine years. And I think there has been so many things that have influenced me and I'm not sure it would have happened any faster, but I think it probably could now mm-hmm. to show up how I do now, to be who I am now. And even things like my podcast, I no longer have an editor. Like, and, you know, I say that and then I say my editor was amazing and I loved him to bits. But I just got to the point where I was like, actually, very little editing was being done. I did very clean episodes in the fact of if I was in the middle of a podcast episode and I forgot my words, I'd literally go, like, hang on two seconds. And I would I wouldn't edit that out. That would be. Mm me and real part of it Mm -hmm. yeah because I was so and again I had listened to other people and it's weird all those people I looked up to now and even ones I'm friends with I don't want to do business like they do business like I don't want to show up the way they do because I'm not them like it works brilliantly for them because that's who they are but I'm not those people so I listen to other people's podcasts and I can hear the script I can hear Mm. the considered well thought out stuff and it's like I don't want to be like that. That's not who you would get. You know, I used to be told I talk too fast when I got on stage. I talk fast. That's what you're getting. Like, and I think, like I said, I think there has been a ton of stuff that has got me to that point. Mm-hmm. But now my job is to fast forward my clients, my students, my coaching clients to go, no, quickly understand who you are and what you want. And then give them the confidence to go and now go and do it and don't give a damn what anybody else thinks like show up exactly how you want to show up it's so fascinating and I don't even know if you can hear what I'm seeing I hear what I'm seeing anywho but (laughs) the way you've gone through a journey is essentially from my perspective you had a bunch of biases patriarchy Mm -hmm. and all of those systems applied to your way of thinking which we all do and this Mm -hmm. is the thing that I was trying to emphasize in my talk is that bias is everywhere. We can't yeah. just think we're going to spoil and remove it. But to think that nine years for you to do it for yourself, mm. the person that we think the most, and now you're actively, and it will impact your work because when you're training others and coaching others to represent themselves, you're going to help them to do it in an inclusive way mm. and help them to do it. In, I don't want to use authentic, but authentic is the is yeah. different sense. In the real sense of the word, not the kind of marketing BS sense of the word. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the thing with what happens when there is bias, when people are not included, where people are not represented, when people are not given permission to show up as they are, is they think something's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And especially when you are being coached by someone, when I was being coached by a straight white male who had no children, who could do what he wanted to do and his version of downtime was surfing who morning routine probably looked like exercise and various other things which did not resonate with me at all when I tried to replicate what he was doing and it didn't work for me where did I think the problem was me Mm -hmm. I thought I was broke I thought I was the one who wasn't good enough I thought I was the one that wasn't capable of creating something wonderful or people didn't want to hear from me because I wasn't showing up like he was So the damage this does, and luckily I have done a lot of work and it's taken me a lot of time and a lot of money, which again, I'm very privileged that I can be in a position where I can get that help, Mm -hmm. but it's taken a lot of work for me to go, oh, hang on a minute. No, you're not right. It just worked for you. 
but I don't have to do that. And I can take that bit from there and that bit from there and that bit from there and take all the things and go, are these important to me? And if they are brilliant, I will build them into me. If they're not, I don't give a damn that you don't think. Like someone said to me yesterday, oh, how many members have you got now? And I felt like I had to justify the numbers I had mm. because I don't have a massive um, you know, community in terms of my club that people pay to be in. But my club is very expensive. And and also because I'm trying to get different uh, people at a different point in their business now, but also like I like that personal touch. So I don't want, you know, a thousand people in there or 500 people in there because I won't know who they are. But I felt like I had to justify it because mm. I was trying to meet someone else's expectations of what success was instead mm -hmm. of just going, yeah, this is how many I've got. I mean, quite honestly, I probably should tell them to shove off. But like, like who asked your, that question? Yeah, like... None of your business. <laughs> like, you know, but but yeah, like when we're doing that when we're looking and and again if we're looking at someone's marketing or if we're looking at, at the the world and we don't show up and people mm -hmm. like us aren't doing the things then we start to think we're the problem and it's mm -hmm. not they're the problem the system is broken yeah all right i, I i've been thinking about so at the end of every episode we ask our guests to imagine a campaign and i don't know i have two scenarios in my head Oh, uh, see, I'd rather you said. <laughs> I have two scenarios of a campaign. How one of right, I'll let you choose. One would be how would you reimagine a car commercial to make it mm. more inclusive and representative? Or how would you reimagine uh like a coaching club commercial or campaign? Mm. That's a good one. See, see. The car one's tricky because as we kind of said at the beginning, that immediately is going to rule out certain people from a price point of view, mm -hmm. right? Because someone mm -hmm. who perhaps, you know, doesn't have a job or is homeless is never going to be able to become a customer because they have to physically pay for a car that's very expensive. So that is a tough one. Although, so I feel like they're limited as to how inclusive they can be in their marketing because could you imagine the backlash that someone like Land Rover would get if they tried to make out like some it was a homeless person driving one of these cars and enjoying the experience like kind of wouldn't necessarily work I think for the coaching thing mm -hmm. for me it would be the ability it would almost be focused on the coach in seeing the the different types of people they work with and the shift that the coach can make okay so, so like, chameleon vibes in, in the sense of like one thing that I pride myself on is that I can shift quickly to okay I'm talking to that person who what's important to them right now is this 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 their life is this 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 their partner is this their struggles might be xyz and that's what I have to take into account with them and then I will shift to someone else who has a completely different makeup of world. So it's almost like seeing how, because I think sometimes when you see coaches, and I would argue that, you know, I am similar, mm -hmm. that they attract a certain type of person. And I naturally attract women who are mums, mm -hmm. right? Because I am a mum and I'm a woman and, and therefore that might be why I attract them. But it would almost be great to see that someone could shift rather than going, you're this type of coach, so you deal with these type of people. 
it would almost be great because not only would that make me an amazing coach, such a better coach, if I had people who came to me, and I have, I have had a, I'm not going to say fairly diverse because it hasn't been fairly diverse if I'm honest but I have had people yeah you know who have different backgrounds different ethnicities different concerns who you know and it's interesting because I've had people who when it comes to selling their thing their ethnicity has taken a direct impact on how they show up or who is doing what they currently do and they would need more courage to go out there and do what they're doing because they're not represented whereas I could work with someone else who is represented everywhere and they'll have different issues in the sense of being represented everywhere might be the problem because like Mm -hmm. there are a million of them doing it so I think for me it would be great to see a coach that is and this isn't normally a thing because coaches tend to work in niches and like I said you know they tend to attract like but it'd be great to go I understand this and not only do I understand it but I can shift my viewing which again what would do for me as a coach would be phenomenal because as a coach for me, my job is asking questions. My job is understanding. And I couldn't imagine a better education that I could get. And I'm quite excited about the thought of that, actually, that actually, what if I worked with someone who was transgender? What if I worked with someone that, you know, uh, had a particular religion or had a particular ethnicity that isn't being represented? Like, the education and and it sounds like a real selfish thing that I'm doing here, but you know, what that, that would, would add, influence you and add to me, but not only just with the person I'm coaching, but with the other people I coach and how I show up and how, how I can be more inclusive. That would just be amazing to see that. But like I said, I tend to see that a black coach might attract black clients, mm-hmm. you know, a white coach might attract white ones. And it's not, And I can understand that. I can understand why that's the case, but I just think it would be awesome to be able to go, look, this coach can deal with all these these different people in all these different spaces. Okay. So my brain has been braining. Um, One minute video. Yeah. Non-skippable YouTube ad. I love those ones. Um, From a marketing perspective, not from a viewer perspective. Yeah. Um, And the question you mentioned earlier, so it would be a shot of you asking this question but as you ask it to each different type of person, the way you ask it changes. Oh, I love that. What does the su- success look like for you? And it's the yes. on the for you. It starts changing. Yes. And each persona shows up and you kind of like demonstrate the different ways you support them. It can still, I think there's still a niche of staying within mothers yes. and how success looks different for mothers. There's a mm-hmm. wide variety of mothers we can we can represent. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Wide, wide, wide variety. Mm. And every time you emphasis, what does it look like for you, for you, for you, it changes. I love that. And it starts with a glimpse of you helping them and then them on like a TEDx stage, them on a da-da-da-da. Like you keep seeing the and, snippets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then them doing the things that is important to them because there are some, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, there are lots of my members and, and some of them who basically took the summer off and how amazing for them that they could do that and they mm-hmm. get to do the school run because that's what they want. And there are some, like myself included, and it's kind of nice that I attract those people because I don't want to do the school run. You know, I am now in a position because I'm not with my daughter's dad, I don't have her full time. So again, I'm in a different, and one of the words I use all the time is the season of life that you're in, which mm-hmm. again implies that that flexibility and movability. Like, 
and and that's the other thing because someone will come to me and be like, I'm so frustrated because I'm not, you know, I'm not being able to achieve X, Y, Z. And it's like, but the season your life you're in right now, that isn't important to you or that isn't your focus, which is why you're not achieving it. So traveling all over the world when you've got two young children, that's not, it doesn't mean that that's never going to happen. It doesn't mean that as your seasons change, you know, that that isn't going to be impacted or different in some way. But again, it's like really helping them to go, oh, oh, I'm all right to be me. I'm okay to like show up as I am or want what I want because that's what's important to me. I love Mm -hmm. that. I I I love that. I'm loving this. If you ever want it directed, I'm I'm there. I'm down. Okay, I can see it. Cool. (laughs) And even what you were saying just now as well around success changes as the seasons change and that's fine. The way you define it changes. It's, oh yeah. And I love just, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can see it because I I really enjoy, um, so one of the speakers yesterday, uh, Mm -hmm. markets products. And every time I see him, he always says, oh, I don't (laughs) think this could be made inclusive. And I'm like, I love a challenge. Yes. You can always find a way, even if it's cereal or a a smoothie drink, you can find Mm -hmm. a way to sprinkle some inclusivity in there. And I think if you do attract mothers, there's so many types of mothers that we don't see. Yes. And we don't see their version of success. Mm -hmm. So that would be an amazing campaign. That would be. You celebrating them along the whole journey as well. Yeah. Regardless of what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, and especially in the online space, because the online space is defined by anybody that's hugely, and I'm going to hesitate to say successful because that's their version of success, but the people who are the top of the tree in the the online space Mm -hmm. are having seven-figure launches. Mm -hmm. They are having hundreds, if not thousands, of people coming into their stuff, and that's what they're selling. That's what they're saying is success. Well, Mm -hmm. that doesn't look like success to me. Don't get me wrong, I'd have the money tomorrow. There's no doubt about that, but I don't want hundreds of thousands of people in my world because... I love the fact that a member can come on and I probably know if they've got children and what their names are or what their partner does, or, you know, I've got that that touch. So showing up and going, yeah, I'm doing the school run and I freaking love it. And I'm well happy about it. Right. Or I've got 35 people in my membership and I am living my best life. And yes, it's not a thousand and I'm not sorry about that. So yeah, (laughs) I love it. We're doing it. I think with these questions, I'm just kind of setting myself up to direct commercials in the future somewhere. I like it. I, yeah. it's just, this is like I, a new sideline for you. It's so fun. I just love challenges and puzzles and, you know, complicated things that everyone's like, it's impossible. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, that's so Thank good, you. Joanne. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been amazing. I have loved this conversation. You've given Thank me you. terminology that is changing the way that I'm thinking about describing body representation and I think it's so amazing to hear your journey as well how you've literally come full circle Mm. from why you started to now being the person that is influencing others to start thank you Joan honestly that was so it's been so much fun talking to you and and I am so grateful for you showing up and educating and helping and supporting because we had this conversation yesterday you showed uh something that came from AI and there were many biases in there and biases that I wouldn't have recognized. And for me, having people like you that I can learn from and be educated by and 
you can support this is just phenomenal so thank you so much I appreciate it i'm sure we're gonna have another episode because it wasn't even a conversation we planned to have no we did <laughs> love it it often happens like that <laughs> Uh, but thank you so much for tuning in to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. Join us again next week. We'll be speaking to another amazing guest. But you can, oh, Teresa, tell them where they can find you okay. on the internet. I almost forgot that one. So, uh, Teresa Heath Waring, my name is very unusual. You put it into Google, you'll find me. But you can go to TeresaHeathWaring.com or you can come over to Instagram Um which check out if Joanne's following me because I do have a few fake accounts. I don't know why I attract people mm. doing fake accounts. I do not have a massive account. I've no idea. Anyway, it's those perfect looking pictures. But <laughs> it just makes it prime for replication. Yeah, damn it. I should have like the more authentic stuff. Um, yeah, if I'm putting like crying stuff on, no one's posting that. Um, so yeah, so uh, come out to Instagram. That's where I hang out or check out uh, Your Dream Business podcast fantastic we'll put all the links in the description wherever you're listening or watching thank you so much for tuning in have an amazing rest of your day